It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, here we go. <clears throat> What's up, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name is Daniel. It's the K-Double-H. It's your boy, Carl Anker. We do this podcast every Tuesday. Remember to follow us on social media on Twitter, at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, at Talking Tactics. Um, if you're on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on an iTunes device, Apple Podcasts, I should say, remember to subscribe. It's free. Um, leave us a five-star review. I don't think... I've said that enough, so people aren't doing it. But yeah, like if you listen on the Apple device, leave us a review, and we'll read it on the show if it's five stars. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get your thirty to forty minutes of talking tactics extra this week. Whenever you feel like looking it up, I've made it a habit to leave a clip. So I'm gonna leave a clip of talking tactics extra right here. So we'll be back in a bit. As some commentators like to say, Scar is dark skinned. <laughs> That's why Scar is the <laughs> Scar is dark-skinned, and that's why Scar's regard as evil, whereas Simba and Mufasa are light-skinned and closer to whiteness, which is why, which is why uh, those two are regarded as good. You've just added an extra layer of hate. Mufasa is light-skinned. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to clock that. He's light-skinned. So yeah, let's talk in tactics extra. That was bloody good, man. That was really good. I can't wait for that. That's really good, man. So. They're, a little bit, they're a little bit more offbeat than our regular broadcast, but I hope you enjoy them. Mm. Do you guys have anything that the people should know about this week? Um, just pray that I'm alive. Kevin De Bruyne from the Players Tribune went live today. Hope you enjoy that one. We spent nearly four hours in Kevin De Bruyne's house mm. in Manchester talking about his life, his loves, everything. Uh, he explained how he only talked to Mourinho only twice in his time at Chelsea and that um, Jurgen Klopp tried buying him for Borussia Dortmund when he was at Werder Bremen, um, and that deal didn't quite go off. Uh, he also talked about how he couldn't make the first move on his wife, on his now wife, so he had, his friend slid into her DMs for him. Um, and he tells a really interesting story about how when he first met Raheem Sterling, he thought he would hate Raheem Sterling because he read so many things in newspaper about Raheem Sterling. Uh, but now, that's he, I like. But now him and Sterling are best mates, and he's just like, yeah, that's so weird. Um, I find it very odd how, like, that's how insidious the uh, the tabloid 
takedowns of Sterling were that it also affected other players that possibly mm. ended up playing with him. It's bloody pieces of crap newspapers, man. So we no, got no, that. No, 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 that's actually an amazing. Like, so does he actually mention that in the, in the players' tribune that, that we read? So he actually mentions this. He mentions it all. He mentions it all. No, no, that's no, that's actually really. I mean, it just shows you how sick those losers and newspapers are. We're like, that just shows the power of those newspapers. Telling was, was was talking about that. It can actually mar how people view you because all they know is what they read. So yeah, interesting. Very interesting. I'm trying to figure out how do I frame this game exactly. It was a game where Liverpool had to win because City had already won. Chelsea needed to win, but it wasn't like it wasn't. It, it wasn't really a must win. So. It, it, they they didn't need the three points as badly as Liverpool did. So, what did you guys expect from Liverpool Chelsea, and what did you guys get? What I expected is pretty much what I got. Um, really wasn't so surprising. I always thought Liverpool were always going to win. But what I, when I saw that lineup, that is when I knew for sure that Chelsea were, were, were screwed. Because if Chelsea went with their strongest lineup, could have been an interesting game. False line hazard, Liverpool were going to win all day, every day, man. Easy peasy. I kind of disagree with that whole thing, my strongest team. I think Sari picked a very good side. So Emerson over Marcus Alonso. He went for his what I think is his best midfield. I think Jorginho Loftus Cheek is his best one because Loftus Cheek is as close to an approximation English football as to, to Paul Pogba. He he constantly moves the ball forward. And if Loftus Cheek can can stay fit, he is the truth. Eden Hazard as the false nine. Yeah, I don't like it, but I understand that if you're gonna play against Liverpool, you can't have as you can't really have Eden Hazard on left because Hazard's best, his best position, though. <laughs> Hazard, this is interesting. Hazard's best position is on the left, but at the same time, if you're going to play against Liverpool, you have to track back in wide positions. And Hazard, why can't now, Kante do that job then? Like, why why can't Kante cover help Emerson cover the left side? Because that's because um, Kante's job is supposed to be breaking the lines and winning the ball high up the pitch in the middle, right? Um, so it's it's that annoying thing of because of the football that. Sorry, would like to play. Ooh. Um, as we're recording this, um, we're watching Watford versus Arsenal. Um, because of the football Sorry likes to play, you need to play a system where both of your wide players are pinning back both of Liverpool's wide players because Liverpool's creativity is supplied by the fullbacks. But also you need to have something that can break through the lines and hope to, to cause some damage through the middle. Um, so you can break through the lines with Kante by winning the ball high up the pitch. But... And you can pin someone in wide areas with Willian and or another wide player. So they went up with uh, hudson Adoy, But it causes this problem where Hazard's best position is probably the false nine. It's not the best way of using Hazard, but it's the best way to use Hazard in the uh, system that Sari wants to play. But I agree with you. For the, I think, I, well, I don't quite agree because I think for the first half, Chelsea were the better side. They made... They played really, really well. They pressed high up the pitch. They made 22 tackles in the first half. Uh, Liverpool didn't really look like scoring for for much of the first half. And Chelsea were more or less in control. It was only when um, the second half, the the beginning of the first 15 minutes of the second half, where, where Chelsea basically couldn't match the energy levels they had in the first half, that Liverpool began to get a foothold into the game. Where Jordan Henderson, he's, he's got a slightly different tactical approach now. So... Whereas before he's been the more orthodox number six in Liverpool, he's now playing more as a box-to-box midfielder, as an eight, 
which is similar to the role he plays for England. Um, he approached Klopp and said, this is what I do for England. Could I start doing it for Liverpool as we did the run-in? And Henderson's having a good month of football, let's say. Um, and it was only then that Liverpool began to take control. So Henderson with the cross that supplied Mane and then Sadio Ma- uh, and then uh, Mo Salah going, okay, guess you guys forgot who I was. It was a weird game where Liverpool didn't look like scoring the first half, but once they went ahead, yeah, it was done. It was done. Liverpool are a better side than Chelsea. We've known this for a long, long time. And I think it became very apparent how much better Liverpool is compared to Chelsea and how much of a better manager Klopp is compared to Sarri based on those substitutions. Like Klopp has gone, oh no, All right, I'm two goals up. How do I control this game? I'm going to swap Cater for one Alden, retain possession a little bit. I'm going to bring on James Milner for my injured Anderson and really slow this game down, really, really have a bit of uh, emotional intelligence. Whereas Sarri has gone, I guess I'll bring on Higuain, like the skeleton of Higuain. Uh, and then he does that, you know, the usual swap Ross uh, Barkley for midfielder. Chelsea didn't look bad and possibly could have had a point. And Hazard had two very, very good chances. But the gap is there for a reason. Uh, this Liverpool side is fantastic. This Chelsea side may get there one day, but they need they need new players and they need a more flexible manager. I get the tactical thinking of having Hazard as a false line based purely on um, defence because, again, maybe he can, he trusts William much more to track back than Hazard does. But my thing about it is, which is what Carl just said, flexibility. I don't think Sari is flexible enough because if he was flexible enough, there is a way of where Hazard can play wide left and you can actually be three-dimensional in your managerial thinking in now accommodating that left side and make sure that that left side isn't isn't overrun and either Kante or Jorginho can, can can sort of switch over to that left side and make sure that that, that is covered and Loftus-Cheek can maybe do more much more of the last third pressing work as well because Hazard is so much like basically that the, the, the key difference between both of those teams was you saw how much you um Chelsea rely on on Hazard and you saw how much more of a team Liverpool are like Liverpool are not a one-man team they're literally a team Chelsea are a one-man team one guy does pretty much everything. And the amount of stuff that Hazard does is it's too much. I don't know what Chelsea can do long-term with someone like Sarri. Because especially, especially in the Premier League, you have to be flexible. You have to be fle- flexible. This isn't the Syria where, okay, yeah, cool, you can just keep on doing your thing and people can praise you. Chelsea are a team that are known for winning trophies. Napoli have only won two trophies, I think, in their entire, entire career. And that's it. So, <laughs> you know... So in order to win trophies, you have to be flexible. You have to make changes. You have to be um, tangible. And yeah, as as far as Liverpool go, man, these guys are a very good team, man. Um, one of the favorites for the for the Champions League, and they are a very very tough team to beat. Very hard team to beat. So you know that Eden Hazard is forty nine percent. So basically fifty percent of Chelsea's offensive output. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was I was trying to find what the stats was. It, wow. So so Chelsea have scored fifty-seven goals in the Premier League this mm. season. Hazard has either scored or assisted on twenty-eight of them, <laughs> which is basically half. So he's fifty percent of Chelsea's offensive production. If you just want to contrast that with other top players who have, um, who are at the kind of the the top of the table, if you want to add up goals and assists, the other three players are Aguero, Sterling, and Salah. Aguero has 26. Oh, Sterling okay. has 26 combined goals and assists. Um, so they're both on 26 out of 86. 
um, which is a, around 30%. And Salah's next with 26 out of 77. So he has 26 combined goals and assists out of Liverpool's 77 league goals, which is around 34%. So Hazard's at half. Aguero and Sterling together make up 60. Like, Hazard has no help. And I think it's interesting you say that Hazard's best position is a false nine. I, I don't agree. No, hang on, hang. On. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't quite say his best position was a false nine. I think his. I said clarify, his, clarify. His his best position for taking on that Liverpool side would be at the false nine because you want Hazard close to the goal and you want him in a position where he doesn't have to worry about defending. If you play him on the left, which is his best position in on the entire pitch, he has to track back, and I don't want Hazard tracking back. Hazard will have to track back if he plays up on the left hand side against Liverpool because if he doesn't, Trent's going to feast on it. If you're going up against a very tough defensive side, Hazard, as we saw in that game, will be pretty much ineffective. Because to hence why Giroud had to play. Because against a tough defensive side, you need someone with some presence. And against a tough defensive side, you need your best player to have space. Mm-hmm. In a false line, you don't have any space when you're in the, in the middle. If he's on the left, that means, okay, all I have to worry about is my one-on-one battle with Trent Alexander-Arnold, which most times Hazard will win. So... I am but, willing but to that's, but that's Hazard going forward. But that's what? Hazard going forward. The main threat now, the main threat of Liverpool is their fullbacks. I'm when Liverpool went through their blip, it's because Trent Alexander Arnold was injured, right? Um, Liverpool managed to beat Spurs the other week mostly because of their fullbacks. It is the fullbacks that's the most important thing. And it's not so much Hazard beating Trent, but Hazard, uh, Hazard also has to make sure Trent doesn't beat him. Now, Hazard versus Trent, maybe Hazard's better than Trent Alexander. Probably he's better than Trent. Trent's one of the best fullbacks in Europe, but I think and Hazard has enough now around him. I think that's a fair estimation to say nowadays. Trent Alexander is one of the best fullbacks in Europe. Mm. You, you I, mean, mean, I, I agree with, 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 with Robertson. Alexander Arnold, I know. I think I think both of those players are I think they're both two of the best fullbacks in Europe. And we know they supply width and they supply creativity and, and a lot of their play and a lot of Liverpool's play is the front three make their magic, the middle three is workmanlike, and then the fullbacks are the plan B. And the and the problem is if you can it's not can Hazard beat Trent, but it's can Hazard make sure Trent doesn't bomb past him and get in those crosses for Mane, for Firmino, for whatever. And I think Sari went, I'd much rather have Hazard in a position where he doesn't have to worry about defending. And that probably means the false nine. You're limiting Hazard's attacking strength in order to maximize your defensive solidity. Which Sari is going to do because he's an Italian football manager, right? I'm I'm going I'm willing to lessen my attacking strength in order to make sure I'm not going to get done for four or five nil because that's Sari, especially after Sari got done six nil. And this also speaks to to the problem of Chelsea and the problem of Sari, Sari and the football he's trying to play. Is he's trying to play uh, a very pronounced style of football without the correct tools. So this this isn't a problem if Sari has a good striker because then he knows that. Both the centre backs and the full backs are preoccupied by Hazard plus one, but he hasn't got that. He's got Giroud, who is okay, a good link up striker, but not someone who's an out and out goal scoring threat. He'll get you maybe 15 goals a season, and he's always been consistent to that. What and you've got the skeleton of Higuain, who's just not good enough. It's crap. This and, this and goes this, to my point earlier, why yeah. I mentioned that Hazard is half the team. If you have a player who's getting you 20 goals a season, like a top striker. Call him Diego Costa, call him uh, Didier Drogba, like, although Didier Drogba didn't get 20 goals that often. But, like, a good Drogba season, uh, Costa season that, that we've seen in the past, you 
lessen the burden on Eden Hazard and he doesn't have to be God in football boots. But it's either Hazard's going to do something special or nothing's going to happen at all, especially if you're asking Hudson Adoy and Willian that we need you to make sure these flanks are secured. Hazard's dropping deep, trying to you know find pockets of space. Nobody's really making runs beyond him in that way. So he's tasked with getting the ball, holding it, finding someone, and then making a run when his best attribute is coming off the left, finding a striker, and playing a one-two. That's what he always wants to do with Giroud. It's what it's what he did with Costa. It's what he did with Drogba. It's what he's done with all strikers. He finds a lane to the striker that makes a run in behind the fullback and the center back, and hopefully he gets in. When you make him a false nine, he loses that ability to combine in that same way. So it's a damning assessment on Chelsea's squad if Eden Hazard has to play false nine. If like the best way to beat Liverpool is we need to take Hazard out of his best position and put him at false nine, I, I don't like it. If that's the case, that means Chelsea have a lot of problems. And I think um, I was reading a stat from James Benj from um, Football.London where he basically said Chelsea haven't had a red card or a straight red card in something like 35 games, 30 games plus, which when you consider how about life and running up on people and beating people up, the old Chelsea used to be. Chelsea haven't had a red card in 72 games, which wow. says a lot about how Chelsea aren't the Chelsea they used to be, right? You consider Chelsea used to beat you up. Like, if they wouldn't beat you in, in like, who cares about aesthetics? Like, this is all about the scoreline. And if it isn't about the scoreline, it's about Mick taking a chunk out of you. And, like, Chelsea, Chelsea are nice now. They're nice. The squad's imperfect. They've got two or three. They've got Golo Kante. Everyone sings a nice song about him. They've got Eden Hazard, who everyone, you know, everyone likes him because he's just a fantastic talent. But there's no bite to this Chelsea mm. thing because because they're missing something. And I think everyone agrees Chelsea are missing something or someone to mm. turn them from a decent top tier Europa League side or or bottom four bottom of the top four side to what they want to be. Um but I think we've talked about Chelsea for yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah I was I was, so. I was gonna say let's let's talk a little bit more about the winners here. Fine it's a bloody good goal. What do you want me to say? Oh yeah, I mean, Mo, Mo Salah was just oh, uh, the noise I made. The noise I made when I saw that going, just yeah, football's great. <laughs> oh, no, 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 but, but, but did you, did you know what was funny? I don't know why, like Danny always does, this, because basically I was doing the live stream with Danny, and because I posted my reaction on YouTube, you were like you were like laughing beforehand, <laughs> and I always know that laugh. Whenever you have that laugh, I know that's something crazy obviously happened so i was like okay why is he laughing like that obviously something crazy happened and i and i had a thing like okay so i mean there's obviously a a goal here i wasn't expecting a goal like, like that because i didn't want to expect when i saw salah i said okay salah's gonna do like a one two get into his pockets and like side foot it's like bottom left and that's okay cool when he just shot i was like what <laughs> so yeah man yeah. i mean great strike I won't actually bring this to the table then. Question for both of you guys. So does this now mean Salah is better than Hazard because he scored that goal and Hazard missed two chances? No, I think it's also ridiculous to compare the two. I think they're both fantastic players and comparing the two is, is silly. Um, what I will say is, obviously Liverpool with their win takes them to the summit of the Premier League table. For now. Um, for For now. Manchester City beat Crystal Palace 3-1 in a fairly um, workmanlike workmanlike no 
rudimentary victory. They made swift work of, City, of uh, Crystal Palace. Milovic got his goal from a free kick this time, not from a penalty. And Milovojevic. Milovojevic. For my Eastern it. European peeps out there, what up? Got his goal. <laughs> and, and basically there are Man City have five games left. Liverpool have four games left. There are two points in play. We've been, we spoke on this podcast about who we think is going to win the league. I've said City are going to win the league. Hope you said City is going to win the league. Yeah. Dan, City as well. Is that what we're saying? Yep. Man City. Yep. Don't have to worry about talking about City game. Keep keep it rolling. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I actually want to get to these questions. Um, have Liverpool found their settled 11 from A Brown Rabbit 95? Almost. So basically, let's say everyone is fit. If everyone is fully fit, so Allison, Robertson, um, Alexander Arnold, Joe Gomez, um, Van Dyke. The attack, defense, and keeper um, pick itself. The midfield depends on the opposition. That will always change. That will always change. It depends on the opposition. Like Brexit's mid midfield works really well. If you're not, and also I'm going to give a shout out to right, um, Callum Sanderson. He, he came up with that time. Brexit's midfield works if you want to hold on to a leader or you're playing away from home. Like Naby Keita, Fabinho, and Henderson is probably the best attacking. Um, wait, wait, which which um, memories of Brexit midfield? Because Brexit midfield is Henderson, Milner, and who else? I would say Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum. That's Brexit midfield. Oh, don't put, hey, hey, don't put Brexit on Wijnaldum. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's disrespectful. No, no, no. The, the Genie is, is a cultured <laughs> man. No, 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 easy. No, come, let, let, me, let me land. 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 Don't put the that bad on Genie. No, no. The Brexitness comes from the juice. The ilk of the Brexitness comes from Milner and Henderson. But because Wijnaldum is great at keeping the ball, he's just there. So don't tie him into Brexitness, but he just rounds off the whole Brexitness <laughs> of, of Milner and, and Henderson. Because I, I can't put Fabinho, um, Keita or Shaqiri in the Brexitness because, because they have more offensiveness than Wijnaldum does. So this um, means so let's put some respect on, on Henderson's name. Last arguments can be made, last two games he's been Liverpool's best player. Because of his new role, he's not playing as a traditional six now. He's playing as the eight, mm. um, doing box to box. I think th- I think this will probably be Liverpool's starting eleven until the end of the season. That you know, as Hope said, their front three starts you know picks themselves. The back four picks themselves. It's this middle three. Um, Fabinho, when we consider at the start of the season, we were wondering where Fabinho, what's going on, what's happened. He's basically he's now acclimatized and he's being fantastic as the six, and he's making good. On what we what we both guessed, what we all three of us guessed last season, we were saying, "What's going on with Bakayoko?" And it was like, "Oh, it's Fabinho behind him who's telling him what to do." Um, and Fabinho is—he very clearly is the guy who runs the midfield. He very clearly is the six who is sweeping up, picking up possession, playing passes. His passing is just a little bit more incisive than Henderson as well, which allows Liverpool to play the ball quicker, which is quite nice. And then Navicator, Navicator, yeah, he. He's not the the be-all and end-all Pogba-esque player I assumed he'd be, but he too is finally acclimatised to English football. He now is, you know, running nine kilometres a game and beginning to do things I'm quite interested in. Yeah, if, if Liverpool start the next five or six fixtures with this 11, I would not be surprised. From AJ Cool 16, more likely this season, a Man City quadruple or a Liverpool double? Quadruple. Simple maths. Uh, a double is easier to win than a quadruple, right? City, well, City have they already have one trophy in the bag, and they're in a final against Watford. Yeah. So, um, my so friend. So, so, so basically, 
City are on the same level as Liverpool because they have the two domestic trophies if we just want to give them the FA Cup. Yep. So it's pretty much even. No disrespect to Watford. Obviously, a Watford can maybe do something. But no, they can't. No, they can't. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, they can't. They're not doing anything, bro. Come give me yeah. a So, like, they, Damn. so for me, they have two trophies already. It's, so, basically, you're asking, will City win the two trophies or will Liverpool win the two trophies? Like, will, what's more likely? I kind of yeah. think City. City. So, Hope last week was saying that City more or less have a, a domestic treble sewn up. Yep. Which... which it, which I, I can see. I think what uh, my friend Jack Fitzgerald, I watched the Barcelona game with him last week, and he said the funniest version is obviously Liverpool win the Champions League and City win the Premier League because each side has the trophy the other team wants. Mm. And now mm. that that is that is what I want to happen. <laughs> I never thought I'd ever wish Liverpool to win the Champions League, but if they win the Champions League and City win the league, and they're both like, oh... I like lasagna, but this isn't what I ordered. <laughs> no, Liverpool have the best. I think Liverpool have the best chance of. Um, I mean, Liverpool have a better chance of winning the, the Champions League than winning the league. I think their their chance to win the league was gone when they screwed up against Leicester City and West Ham. Oh 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 oh! Arsenal put on Mesut Özil. Mm-hmm. Mesut Özil playing away from home. Okay. Messi against ten men. So hopefully against ten men. So Arsenal going to turn on the gas, but. Ozil playing away from home, albeit it's in London still, but you true. So so okay, you know what? Have Hope and I we 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 did a live stream yesterday when we watched the game. And after the game, we kind of had this conversation. So I want to throw it to you because you're a United fan. We suggested if it was a choice between City and Liverpool to win the league, United fans would be in a little bit of a pickle because obviously you have a local rival against a traditional rival. So, in your opinion, which hurts worse, Liverpool winning or City winning? Um, and and we both assumed Liverpool, but I just want to hear it from the horse's mouth. I so obviously everything I say is with the asterisks of I'm a United fan living in London. So Liverpool winning league would be worse. I think I think that's one <laughs> one of the funny things is it's not just it's not just United fans who think Liverpool winning the league would be a bad thing, but I think quite other like. Quite a few other fans of in the Premier League would think it's a bad thing. Everton fans would be like, "Oh God," because um, Liverpool fans are. Now let me be very particular in my words. <laughs> Trust me, be very because these guys will come for you. They will come. <laughs> for you. No, no, no. no let, 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 let me let me let me be. Let's Keep be it real. Really real. Let me Keep be really real. real here, right? Okay, it's the it was it, today is the thirtieth anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster, mm. right? Oh damn! And the Hillsborough disaster. 96 people lost their lives in after FA Cup game between um, Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. It is one of the greatest disasters in, in English football. Twice as many people died in Hillsborough than in any single terrorist attack in United Kingdom history. The government lied about it. So this is, this is an incident that was caused up by the police, covered up by the police, um, with the aid of politicians. And then the press blame Liverpool fans for it. Now, they lied about it. And it stood that way for the best part of 20 years of Liverpool fans knowing this truth and being ridiculed by large parts of the football and cultural sphere. And Liverpool fans keep it buck. Liverpool fans are like, no, no, this, this thing happened. And fair play, Liverpool has always been a community club and very much believe in community spirit. And I think I have never let it die. And uh, Liverpool fandom is unique to other clubs in England. 
that's the good thing about Liverpool fandom. Liverpool fans also do some really daft stuff, man. And the only way I can describe it is just daft. So, uh, the Suarez shirts coming, yeah, we, we can do that one. We can talk about uh, Brendan Rogers when he was looking for his title thing, and then that meme of how am I doing, boss? Where he was looking up at heaven to, to, to Paisley and uh, and the rest of them in the boot room, uh, just the odd songs and uh, things you see on social media from Liverpool fans. Just every now and again, I get in a conversation with Liverpool fan and they say something, and I go, What? What are you talking about? Uh, Drifty, <laughs> Drifty, guest of the podcast, has said some things on that I'm just completely baffled by. Uh, when he talks about how the league was made and went, who told you this? What, where did you get this information from? Um, and I think Liverpool fans are unique in the Premier League for good reason due to their history. But Liverpool fans are also bizarre because Liverpool is just Liverpool. But if you've ever been to that city, which you should do, it's fun. And I can't wait to go. I'm going back up in May. And I think a lot of football fans don't want Liverpool to win the league because they think it will be like some sort of mass explosion and hysteria. Bear in mind that when Leicester City won the Premier League, they had to, well, they didn't go full Philly, but uh, some very mad, crazy things happened there. I would prefer City to win the league because no one really cares when City win the league. <laughs> this is the thing, right? City's worst thing is the fact that, well, City's worst thing is the terrible human rights abuses that Manchester City cover up for. Well, <laughs> I didn't say cover up. Uh, that Manchester City provide a very nice, palatable <laughs> vision to the world. But also the thing about City is they haven't got anyone you hate. There are no bastards to Man City. And yeah, the press tried to make Raheem Sterling a bastard, but Raheem Sterling's just a nice guy. They've got Vincent Company, nice man. Raheem Sterling, nice man. Kevin De Bruyne, nice man. David Silva, who even he, even though he is a bad man, no one notices he's a bad man because he's only a bad man on the football field. There is no Roy Keane lightning bolt figure. So whenever City win the league, everyone's like, yeah, fine, whatever. But sometimes yeah. I forget Man City won the league last year and they set a record doing it. That's how much I care about Man City. I don't care about Man City. You know, okay, Carl, this is a complete tangent, okay? But I was, I was asked to ask you about this, so I'm going to... Um, somebody was telling me, Bernardo Silva, they were looking at his kind of his monocle numbers, right? And they were looking at the distance he was traveling in the, in the last season he played for Monaco when he was like one of the best four or five players in France. This is according to them. And apparently the distant numbers were around four or five miles, somewhere there. And now he's looking at the Bernardo Silva numbers for Manchester City, and he's running around six or seven miles a game there was a question of whether or not there's some funny business going on with Manchester City in terms of like their just ability to run for drugs, harder drugs, and longer. Drugs, drugs, drugs. Nobody said anything about drugs, but if you want to think it, that's that's okay. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say that I will say the same thing. So so always... so 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 I was I was asked to ask you because I know you probably know more about this than I do. I think one like the Premier League, just general, you just have to run more in the Premier League than you have to run in France. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't survive. Just the basic fact you can't survive English football if you're only running, what, four miles is about six kilometers? Yeah. Right. That's something, something around there. Yeah. You can't, you, ha you can't, that's what, most players do that in a half. For, and that's not, that's not even the good ones. I say good as in top six players. You just have to run more because English football is a lot more fluid and less to the carter and you have le a lot less role players. In it than in the French league. I think, and the other stuff, I will say 
what I have said in this podcast before, which is if doping does exist in football, which it probably does, then it probably happens on a team-based effort. So this isn't unique. I would also, you know, we're going to talk about Bernardo Silva's numbers. May I please show you the numbers that Fabinho just rocked up against Chelsea? Fabinho, Fabinho, who didn't play football for Liverpool for like three months when he first comes to the Premier League, and now he ran 11 kilometers against Chelsea. Mm. Wow. So Fabinho didn't play football or didn't start for Liverpool for three months, and now all of a sudden he can run 11 kilometers. Hmm. Nice. That's a lot of work on the treadmill he's been doing, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, someone else as this is Gowan 69, we'll just take this one off the top. Which top league is most similar to the Premier League in terms of physicality? I would say League uh No, 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 no. Uh, inter- well, interesting thing, League on League on the French League, is quite similar to Serie A and the Premier League of the 90s. So you've got a lot of teams that can play 4-4-2. You've got a lot of target men. There's a heavy supply and crosses. Bear in mind when Olivier Giroud won the French League with Montpellier, he was doing it, scoring mostly with his head. See, the term physicality is quite hard to define because if you want to talk about just shit, we are running loads, it's Germany, right? The Bundesliga is probably the one mm. in terms of physicality, which is probably why you you know Bundesliga to Premier League and vice versa seems to be the big... Uh, like transfer passage very interesting fact well interesting fact i based on the conversation we just had about doping what i will say is how hey hey, hey easy the conversation we just had about uh player stamina rates yes now <laughs> this this i can say on record arsene wenger once went it's very interesting when a player comes from germany to england how they start their whenever a player comes from germany to england uh, they start really, really strong, and then after Christmas, they tail off. And then he gave the Wenger smile. It's it's not just a winter break, and I have a problem with this, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this. I don't think we've ever talked about this. We might have, but I'm, I'm not sure. And maybe we can transition into, into the Champions League by this. Do you guys think Germany should have four Champions League spots like they do? There's only 18 teams in the Bundesliga, so they play four less games than everybody else. And then they have a winter break on top of that. Four, oh, come on, four Champions League spots. It's about, it's about the quality. Everyone gets four Champions League spots because if you didn't, you would have got a European Super League. That's it. France? No, no, no. France France doesn't have four Champions League spots, but they play 38 games a season. They don't play so, 34. So Spain, England, and Germany, and Italy got four Champions League spaces this year because UEFA went, this is the, this is it. All right? Look. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but why Germany? Daniel, it's because the reason Germany have four Champions League spots is because Bayern Munich went, give us four Champions League spots or we're going to create a German Super League. We're going to create a European Super League. It doesn't have to make sense. This it's is what so you said. To go back to our venue conversation, you said German players always start really well in England before tailing off. On the flip side, he nearly never bought players from Serie A, which shows uh, how he felt about the transition between Serie A to English football. Do you have any clue what Wenger's up to these days? Tell me. No, no, I, I have no idea. I saw him. He, I mean, for my day job, um, we were doing like a sports story, and he was um, giving a talk about in. I think he was in Qatar about the Qatari World, World Cup. Oh, so he's, so he's an ambassador. Yeah, actually, yeah, he just he just does like um, footballing events as an ambassador at the moment. So yeah, he, he's he's still very very well 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 respected, man. Very well respected. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. If he went to Nigeria, he would be he would be mobbed if he went to Nigeria. Oh, of course, he's he's, he's the dad. He's everyone's dad. He's my <laughs> uncle. That's a true. <laughs> I spent okay. I spent decades slandering that man. If Wenger walked in right now, I'm making a cup of tea. What does he want? <laughs> I'll go shop for him. <laughs> okay. 
You want pizza? I'll pay for it. <laughs> Let's talk about Champions so, League. Double H, walk us through the Champions League. Oh, how sweet. I feel honored too. Um, Ajax are out. Um, I don't want to hear anything about <laughs> it. It's very slow, romantic story. Um, if Man United knock out Barcelona, Messi is going to raise retire. Um, FC Porto have a 0% chance of turning things around against Liverpool, who I think are one of the strongest for the Champions League. Why and there is no way in hell that Man City's quadruple dream stops at the hands of a hurricane-less Tottenham Hotspur. That's a really breezy summary of the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> okay, after watching the game that transpired this week, that mm. Tottenham might be more dangerous without Harry Kane? Oh, no, 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 no. For me, like... like I I I I believe that Tottenham. It was Huddersfield, man. It was Huddersfield. Come on. Fair enough. Oh, 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 oh! I thought you meant about the Man City game, not the Huddersfield. Oh no, no! I'm thinking about the the the, the first leg. Forget the Huddersfield game. Look, Huddersfield are one of the worst sides <laughs> in Premier League history. So now nah, that that means no nothing. Tottenham do play better and quicker and faster without Harry Kane, but it's always useful having a a goal scoring sniper like him. And I just feel that, just on a on a psychological basis. I think that um, Tottenham are going to struggle to... Because City... Basically, you're, you're going to see City at full throttle um, at the Etihad. When it's okay, we now, we now have to beat these guys up. I don't and think we'll see City at full throttle. I don't think so. I think City are going to play a very controlled game. They're going to play some very orthodox fullbacks. So I think City lost that game last week against Spurs because Pep Guardiola overthunk it, which Pep Guardiola often does. City aren't going to go running out of the blocks. So the interesting thing about the first leg against Spurs is that Manchester City only went for that the Manchester City triple tap goal once or twice. That that option is still there. That's the joy of having the triple tap always there for him. Leroy Sane, Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is going to start. You only got two minutes in the first leg. I don't think City need to go full throttle and hell for leather to beat Spurs, which is the the unfortunate thing. You know, I think it'd be a very controlled two 0 win. It would be cool if Tottenham were to go through, but. Actually, what does City actually do the quadruple? Like, I mean, what what happens? I mean, how do we like how do we move forward as a human race if Pep wins the quadruple? Um, and he the documentary. Would Man City winning the quadruple be as strange as Real Madrid winning the Champions League three times in a row? You know, I you know I, I still haven't processed that, so I don't even know how to answer that. Nobody question. had won the Champions League back to back since it had been called the Champions League. So that that to me is like the most odd, strange thing that's happened in football. If they win four trophies, yeah. How much money did you spend? Do you have the best manager in the world? By the way, who had is this true? Pep hasn't won a knockout stage game in the Champions League since 2011. I mean, he did because they're in the quarterfinal. That, that that isn't in the round of 16. So oh, like quarterfinal, semifinal, final. He hasn't won since 2011. It's away from home. It's away. Yeah, yeah, he, hasn't, to, he hasn't he hasn't won away from home in the Champions League. Everybody remembers yeah. when he tried to man Mark Messi. <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. It was like all three defenders, all all man market, and 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 they got, they got colonized, man. They got colonized. <laughs> we we didn't have a podcast, but if we had a podcast, that would have been a great episode. Like you, oh, you really man. tried to man mark that front three, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I was like, is he gonna do that in the second leg? Nah, 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 nah. Actually, he abandoned it in like the first half, didn't he? He was like, nah, this, yeah, 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 yeah. This ain't it. So yeah, what other matches are close? Ajax. I-, I don't think Ajax. Ajax no. are, are out. I think this is the really well kind of annoying thing about Juve is they don't mind not having the ball. This is the great thing about Juventus and why they're they're. They should be my favorites to win the Champions League, but Messi said he wants to win it, so therefore I have to put Messi as the favorite. 
Messi. Mm. I say put Messi. I mean Barcelona. Um, basically, <laughs> no, 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 no. You did that study. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> if Messi hadn't gone, okay, I want to win this trophy. I would have said Juventus are going to win this trophy. I'm going to win it, and I still think Juventus should should win it because they are the best team at counter attacking in the Champions League. They are the best team in defending, and they've also got the best champion Champions League player of all time in Cristiano Ronaldo. I was very specific when I said Champions League player. Uh, Thank you. Be specific. Thank you. Um, so Juventus, Juventus, and this is an annoying thing where Ajax, Ajax should, Ajax be relatively comfortable taking the game to Juventus and could probably get sixty-five percent possession. But Juventus were like, okay, we're gonna whip in thirteen crosses now, and Cristiano's like, all right, back post, bang, and that's yeah. it. Or a, a penalty, or a penalty, or a penalty. I think. Chill, 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 chill. I think. I think. Hope was, I think. Hope was entirely correct. I think. I think what we're going to get is a score draw between United and Barcelona. So Barcelona go through. I think Ajax will probably get beaten 2-0, 1-0 by Juventus. I think City will probably beat Spurs comfortably. I said 2-0 there. And I think Liverpool will probably play a very boring 1-0 victory against Porto. Um, we got to talk about Europa League, about Arsenal actually beating Napoli. Did you guys see that one coming? Mm. I did. It was, it's a weird one, wasn't it? Because Arsenal were two new up because Aaron Ramsey's playing Aaron Ramsey ball, which is quite. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Ramsey, when he goes to Serie A, he's gonna he's piss gone. off Cristiano, bro. All all of the late runs that Ronaldo kind of makes in the box to get goals. You don't think Aaron Ramsey's gonna take like five, six, seven of those from him in a season? I wonder if he's gonna annoy Cristiano. No, no, no. Oh, oh, oh he's actually gonna enjoy supplying Chris Cristiano himself. Well, I think what would be really interesting is. Now, if I'm Aaron Ramsey and I'm I'm going to Juve and I'm and Cristiano Ronaldo's in the change room, I'd say, hey, I'm not here to take your goals. I'm here to give you an extra two years on your career. Mm. My entire argument would be, let's do this drug with Lampard, right? <laughs> right, let's do this so we both score twenty goals a season. You you stay even further up the field and I'll do the I'll do the running for you. That would be my pitch. I feel like wow. if you told Cristiano be my drug boy, he'd kind of he'd laugh, but inside he'd be, he'd be disrespected. Yeah, but I, I think I think I think there's a very good pitch there of basically going. I'm here to add an extra two years onto your career. Basically, Ramsey being like, mate, don't even worry about anything that isn't the Champions League. I'm just here. I'm here for the league games. I'm here for the annoying away games. You got any problems? Me and Moise Keane's going to do the running for you. Just do what mm. you need to do and rack them up. That'll be my pitch. Um, but That's it was really interesting because Arsenal basically. Were way better than Napoli, and and but most Arsenal fans are really scared. They only won two 0 because they're going, yeah, we're going to go to Naples and get absolutely done because that's what happens when you go to Naples. No, but like you score one goal, they have to score four. All they need is a goal. All yeah. they need is one goal, you're, man. You're through. I wasn't expecting that. Chelsea struggled to beat Praga. Alonso scored <laughs> in like the 86th minute. Actually, oh, so you missed. Felix, man, who is this dude? Jao Felix, I know him relatively well. He spent six years in Porto's academy before Porto released him, and then he got picked up by Benfica. He played through all of Benfica's youth, played through all of Benfica's youth levels, and now basically looks to be the truth. Porto fans are kicking themselves, going, "We've let maybe the best young talent in Portuguese football just completely go through our grasp and go to our most hated rival for free." Um, uh, so. We did an article with him on the Players' Tribune and he talked about his come up and how his relationship with his dad. So he absolutely adores his parents, very much still. 17 years of age, attacking midfielder, still with his parents. 
Um, his dad used to drive like the best part of 20 kilometers, 20, 30 kilometers to get him to training every single day. And then one day he went, he basically moved house to, towards Porto to live in digs. And then after one week, he said, I don't like this. I'm going to come home. Please drive me home. And his dad went, right, I can pick you up and bring you back from Porto, back to your house, but I'm never driving you to train ever again. And Felix went, oh, okay, I, I guess I'll be a footballer then. Where's braces? Still good. Like, he's a kid. He's a child. I think he's a really, really nice boy. Apparently, my friend, who is Portuguese and understands the nuances of uh, how his speech is coming across without the subtitles, is saying he's quite cheeky. Uh, and his confidence may tip over into arrogance, um, which, you know, the dude, just, the dude just scored a hat-trick in the uh, Europa League. Exactly. And then, and then scored... And then just scored a brace in in the league, so he scored on on the weekend as well. Um, so he's apparently he scored in a week. So yeah, arrogance is kind of justified. Uh, and apparently his agent. So I just saw a report today about apparently his agent is interested in getting him to Juventus. Mister Felix Cristiano. Apparently so. He is very like he is. There's a good chance he will not be playing for Benfica next season. I know Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, and now Juventus are interested in it. Uh, Benfica is saying it's going to cost 100 million, which is. Hey, why? <laughs> Thank you, Hope. <laughs> Thank you. That is the correct reaction. Benfica won 100 million. I think the fee will probably be close to 60. All right. Speaking of Juve, they could have won the league. They lost. And PSG could have won the league, but they lost. So the theory going is uh, they just want to win the league at home. So they just decided to conspire to lose away, both of them. I think yes, at one point is like they want to win at home, uh, but also actually in 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 Juve's points, rest players for the Axe ax game. In in PSG's points, you bunch of losers. You have no excuse because because you go you go embarrassed. So why the hell can't you just get us over and, and done with you? Complete and utter brick academy laureates, losers. Neymar, why the hell did you in, get yourself injured and allow the prodigy to get things all by himself? I've still not forgiven Neymar for what he did to Mbappe, and I never I never will. Juventus is interesting because this whole we're going to rest players in the league because we're going to play Champions League has allowed Moise Keane to have a wonderful run of form. He's got six goals in his last six games. Mm. And he looks like a player. He's weird. He looks like a player and I really like him, but also none of his goals are particularly impressive. No, they just finishes. Just, just, just good yeah. strike. Finishes. Which is, this, this, this is the, the good slash scary thing about him. He's scoring six and six because and all of those goals are like poachers finishes. Which allows me to think this this is not luck. This is not Marcus Rashford scoring on every third shot. This is a kid who knows exactly where to stand and where to chase the ball and can score twenty to fifteen to twenty goals every season going forward. So that's a cool thing. PSG are, you know, hope said it best. They they just seem to be a bunch of losers. They don't care. That's PSG's <laughs> that is PSG's heaviest defeat in nineteen years. Right, so even even before the oil money hit, that's PSG's heaviest defeat. Five um, one, they lost to Lille. Just what? Why? Nico uh, Pepe is the truth. Nico Pepe is the Nico truth. Nico Pepe, Pepe is the truth, and it basically, it, yeah, it seems as if so. They they didn't retain the French League Cup. They have a good chance of winning the French Cup, and they basically will win the league whenever they want. But it very much, you know. After this whole talk about Thomas Tuchel coming over and he's going to you know, wipe away the sins of Unai Emery, they've got the Jumpman logo and this is new PSG. You're like, oh no, it's just, it's just regular PSG with the Jumpman logo on it. 
They're trying to throw some Jordan sauce on the shit. No, no, no. Ever since the miracle at at Camp Nou, they have a hex on them. I'm waiting for the Jumpman stuff to get discounted so I can buy some. Because I still want some. <laughs> they're, they, they're a bunch of losers, but they're a bunch of losers, but that Jumpman logo goes a long way for me. I'm a, I'm a hype beast. I'm sorry. Let's do these questions. Um, at their best, start one, bench one, drop one. Between Obi Mikel, Jordan oh Henderson, God. and Michael Bradley. Like Jesus. Putting my bias aside, I think you, you do drop Obi Mikel. What? I would start Bradley and I would bench Henderson. You guys are insane. And I'm glad you're not coaches. Like you start Mikel, you bench Henderson, and you drop uh Michael Bradley. What Obi does Mikel bring? Really? Apart from calmness. 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 Oh goodness. Calmness. Flu- fluidity. Calmness. <laughs> This man says calmness, you know. Oh my god. Wow. See, 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 that is your Chelsea bias speaking. He was the man of the match. I've seen him backheel nutmeg Paul Pogba, backheel assist Diego Costa against Everton. Like against Everton. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. What has Michael Bradley ever done? It's no, no, that's the new name of this podcast. What's Michael Bradley ever done? <laughs> Talking about you're gonna drop Obi Mikel and start Michael Bradley. Are you crazy? Wait, wait, are you saying that if Michael Bradley was at Chelsea and Obi Mikel was at Roma, Obi Mikel would have won more trophies than Michael Bradley? Is that what you're, what you're trying to tell me? I'm talking about the performances in the big games. I cannot remember a single great you have a bias because you didn't go to Manchester United and play with Ferguson. We understand, but the, it says, at their best, start one, bench one, drop one. Peak Bradley? What is Peak Bradley? A pretty decent mid- midfielder. That's what I say. But it's okay. Look, man, you can you can keep sideways passing Obi Mikkel, a guy who should have been an attacking midfielder. But because he wanted to stay at, at in, in London, he became a bloody defensive midfield sideways passer, the guy that didn't pretty much didn't do anything of any use. Hey, 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 hey. He didn't want to stay in London. It's just that Roman also wanted to give visas to three of his mates. Oh wow. Mikel's a team player. <laughs> Mikel's a team player. All right. That's that's what swung it between United and Chelsea. Because Abramovich went, I'll give you not only will I bring you over to Chelsea, I will also give youth contracts to three of your friends. There you go. Man of the people. <laughs> Next question. There you go. All right. Um, okay. Let's let's kind of get through these. So Tiger Woods came back and people are kind of curious. So um after Tiger's Masters win on Sunday from Kevin TK29, what are the greatest footballing career comebacks? This is too easy. You've set me up, man. <laughs> you, you, you literally woke me up. Are we, are we, are we, I mean, do you want me to go on another? I mean, who, who could it be? Uh, have hope. Uh, greatest <laughs> footballing career comeback. I can't imagine who you might say. Let's, let's set the stage. 98, 21-year-old, whole country on his back, <laughs> had a seizure in the final. That siege affected an entire team. France won 3-0. I still believe to this day that if Ronaldo was fit, Brazil win that World World Cup. He was done for, had a, a career-ending knee injury. People don't come back from that knee injury where his knee literally exploded. Nobody thought he would come back. 2002, people didn't really give him a chance. People didn't even really give Brazil a chance. The favorites were really Spain and Italy. Spain and Italy were the two teams that people were... In in O2, people thought France would win because they were up. Yes, no, 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 no. France were the clear favorites, then Spain followed by well, Spain and Italy behind them. Yeah. Um, so 
kept on going game by game do you know what it means semi-final who comes through please go to youtube look at the goal he scored he made the goal himself final i watched this game i watched this game again germany were the better team germany were outplaying brazil germany controlled that game and brazil were not in that game germany were the better team but yet again he rose he he rose to the challenge like a flipping phoenix and he delivered those two g's very without question the greatest comeback in football history i don't want to hear anything else apart from that thank you <laughs> uh <laughs> what also what's your take on the afcon draw slash group of death favorites if nigeria don't make it to other group i'm shutting down the football hot so <laughs> um here we go group a uh we got egypt dr congo zimbabwe and your boys and, and uganda uh the cranes so that's definitely not the group of death no nope. i think i think uganda will get third but i think the four best third place qualifiers go through hmm. so i think we might be able to get can we also mention it is preposterous the size of afcon afcon cannot sustain that many countries in a, in a tournament it's ridiculous <laughs> It's right. This is absolute rank greed and idiocy from FIFA. <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's 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 the same crap that they're pulling with the World Cup as well. Yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you have these many teams? Again, as like I think Carlos was, it is just just, just greed because there's, what they there's, want there's, is there's, it's there's more money. Eight too many teams. There's eight too many. Like they, it should be four groups. Yeah, four groups. Um. Then we have Burundi, Guinea, Madagascar. And wow. Nigeria, yeah. If Nigeria don't get through that group, burn it down. Yeah. Um, C. We have Algeria, Kenya, Senegal, and Tanzania. Mm. I don't know if that's a group of death, but it's interesting. I think Senegal and Nigeria, Senegal and Algeria, sorry, yeah, yeah, favorites. Yeah. Closest thing to a group of death I could find here is Ivory Coast, Morocco, mm. South South Africa, yeah. and Namibia. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's, that's, but, that's that's. But but Morocco's favorite, Ivory Coast second. And then South Africa, maybe. Um, then we have Angola, Mali, Mauritania, Tunisia. Tunisia were in the World Cup, so I'm assuming they have the best team here. And then the last group. The last group's not bad. Uh, Benin, Cameroon, Ghana, and Guinea-Bissau. So, mm. Cameroon, so Cam Cameroon, Carl, your boys, Ghana. Y'all should go through, really. Wait, and wait. Then... Does, is, does Gian still play? I don't. I don't. Who's that guy? <laughs> Okay, do you know one thing that really annoys me? And I'm just saying it really annoys me how strikers wear like a number two or a number three or a number four as a striker. That really pisses me off. Man, I was on the BBC talking about that guy's wearing number three. I'm on the BBC, on, on big, big, big BBC on camera talking to camera about how that man annoyed me for, for the fact he was wearing number three. <laughs> <laughs> but why? for. He said he wants to wear number three because three is a number of strength. He says before you lift something heavy, you count to three. And that's why I wear three. <laughs> I wear... <laughs> Boy, you don't get... You are a striker. You, ain't a... You... you are a striker, not a weightlifter. Why are you lifting heavy things? Score the penalty! <laughs> oh, don't, 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 don't remind me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's... That's a bad move. We were all rooting for you. Don't maybe, maybe, maybe Nigerians were, but everybody else, we were rooting for you. <laughs> the whole continent, in the continent, we were rooting for you. This, this nigga, where? Speaking of just slightly off topic, 
Imagine if Holland actually won that World Cup with the history of apartheid in South Africa. Oh boy, that'd been pretty messed up. Yeah, as, as, as much as I wanted Robin to lift that World Cup, that would have just been really messed up if Holland had actually won the World Cup in South Africa. That'd be messed up. That's odd. All right, which sports moment is more iconic from Theo's or most me? Gerard slip, Seahawks throw the ball, Golden State lose seven games and choke a three-one lead, or seven-one. Wait wait, uh, wait, 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 what's the, the question? I said biggest choke. No, which which sports moment is more iconic? Oh, 7-1 for sure. Easily. It's got to be 7-1. Easily. It's one of the most, even when it's happened, I said this will go down as one of the most iconic and most infamous sporting moments in history. Sporting, not football, sporting moments in history. Did you guys like, see that? Like, I want to um, say that, I want to say the 7-1, but there is just something about the slip, right? This is Steven Gerrard. The boyhood hero, the captain of Liverpool, literally slipping and handing another team the title just week, just a week after he went, this does not slip. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, I know, I know about, oh, it was actually decided at Crystal Palace and blah, 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 and this and this and this. But look, I write film scripts for a living, okay? I tell stories for a living. This is what I do. And if I had written that script of the boyhood hero saying this not, does not slip in chapter three and at chapter four, he slips and loses, I'd have been fired. <laughs> My boss would have went, this is bullshit. This is some hokey shit. This shit would never happen in real life. And I think that cannot be underestimated just how freaking bizarre the slip was. There's a really good piece on The Independent um, that went out last week from Miguel Delaney that said basically five years on from the slip and it explained what sorts of a number of Chelsea players were saying what was going on in the changing room. And apparently at halftime, Brendan Rodgers didn't say anything to Gerrard, basically said, chin up. And they went to all the Liverpool players going, Steven Gerrard has frequently given given himself over to this club to like help them get out, to help them like get out of the madness. It's now up to you to do something. And then Liverpool did nothing. <laughs> The, the only thing that could have made that game better is when Torres passed to Willian because he clearly didn't want to score at Anfield. If Willian would have just passed it back to him, Torres, <laughs> Torres would have had no choice but to shoot. But obviously, Willian was going to be greedy and shoot. But I wanted him to pass it back because then if Torres passes it back again, like he, he would have never done that. So, like, basically force feed him to score. But anyway, um, so, yeah, I would, I, would, I would say 7-1 and then the Ger- Gerard slip. No, 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 but the thing, the thing about that Golden State thing is that that was, I think, that's the season that they held the record for the greatest ever regular season performance, yeah, isn't yeah. it? 73 and 11, I think. Yeah, beating the Bulls. So that makes what Cleveland did even more crazier. <laughs> that oh. you beat the greatest regular season team ever, and they were 3 1 up. So all they did was just one more game to win, and they were given three tries, and they couldn't win. Three games. They're going to win one game with three tries to win this. So that is crazy. It must be 73 and nine because they play 82 games in a season. All right. Um, We got two things. Thoughts on Twitter accounts with football players as their pitchers and some asinine remix of the player's name from Black Emoji. Listen, listen. If you have a footballer as your avi on Twitter or if your Twitter app is Edenology or something-esque or whatever... (laughs) I do not care what you have to say. Do you not do not ever tweet me if you've got a footballer as your avi. Do not ever tweet me. I don't care what you have to say. 
I don't care about your opinion. If I ever get dragged in the conversation with you, I'm being an idiot because I don't like you. All right, if your Twitter identity is framed through a matrix of another human being, another football player, get out of here. You're a loser. M- Mourinho or Halleck or something like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like, know something like, 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 like Conte something or... Firmin-esque. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's creative, but, you know, if you're going to have opinions, like, put your face out there. Um, all right, lastly from Dave Kitchen. Uh, the pace of the Champions League and other Euro Leagues versus the Premier League. How hard is it for players to adapt to the Premier League because of the frantic nature of the league and time on the ball? For example, Fred has looked good in the Champions League and terrible in the Premier League. Um, for me, no, I think, like, look, when it, I believe some of the best players that we've seen in the Premier League have been from Spain. So, and and, and, and Spain is, is nowhere near as, as frantic or as intense as the Premier League. If you're good, you're, you're good. I think if you're good, you'll figure it out. You know, you'll f- figure it out based on your tech, technique, and everything. We discussed this a bit earlier in the podcast about how uh, Wenger described German players acclimatizing really well to the English game, and how he, well, Wenger's transfer thinks he ne- nearly never signed him from Serie A. So that's one. Uh, I don't always go for Hope's distinction that La Liga is the best league in the world for technical ability. But yeah, there the, there is a there is a level of on the ball skill that La Liga players have, the Spanish players have that allows them to deal with, if not the physicality of the game, if not the running, but uh, the passing helps. Yeah, I, I think I think what's also interesting is seeing what managers like to buy quite often. So it's not necessarily Wenger didn't like buying Serie A players for reasons, and that doesn't mean. It takes longer for Serie A players to adjust to the Premier League. That's just Wenger's preference. Something that's really interesting is that Mourinho signed Portuguese players number one, Brazilian players number two, and then and then he went by leagues, which seems to me that Mourinho just quite liked having certain languages in his changing room. Um, and the Fred thing yeah, is like um, Sanso, the Wolves boss. Yeah, right. Some 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 managers do buy by leagues. So some managers, you know, will go. Oh, League Earn has some cheap players in between fifth and twelfth. Let me go buy a bunch of League Earn players, and I'll figure that all out based on that. Other managers are going. Let me make sure I've got these languages so I can always be understood. Other managers are going. Let me just go get players I absolutely know can play my style of football because I have a very pronounced way of playing football. But from the most part, we, what we know is basically based on like distance covered distance covered in each league. You can probably, if you're able to run around a lot in the German league, you're probably able to run around a lot in the Premier League. Um, conversely, if you're able to run around a lot in the Portuguese league, you might not be able to run around a lot in the German league because there is a step up, not in, not just in the fact that you're running around more, but in the way you're running around. There was a really good uh, conversation from Renato Sanchez. You said in the Portuguese league, you can run and run and run and more or less do whatever you want. Whereas in the German league, if I run and run and run and I get caught out in transition, I'm screwed. Because it's not just me who's breaking forward in the gap I left. It's two or three people filling up the hole. Because now that's the thing I've got to worry about. So yeah, that's a little talk about physicality. So yeah, this has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. Remember, we do this every Tuesday. Um, follow us on, on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Talking Tactics 352, Instagram, Talking Tactics, SoundCloud, Talking Tactics. Guys, where can people find you? Have hope. Half Hop Pop on Twitter, Half Hop Football Hot on YouTube, and at the Half Hop on Instagram. Carl? Thank you, man, 616. No, so retired. I just realized we've got to do an extra. Here we go. Um.
<laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm at Daniel to look. Links are in the description. Talking Tactics Podcast. Thank you for listening. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.